0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: So the question last week and this week is, will what we do, will it really last? Sometimes on Friday, I go over to Waikiki Beach behind the Outrigger Hotel there because I have a ministry with some of the beach boys. Had it for a long time and been able to lead some to the Lord. Some of come to our meetings here and I'll do paddle outs with them. Sometimes I'll help them take the tourists out on the, on the waves with the canoes and things like that. Well, I often take Carol with me because it's kind of our Friday morning thing to do as a couple. Well, I remember a couple of months ago we arrived early, but there were a bevy of people that have already been on the beach long before we got there. And we get there about 7 in the morning. They set up with lights, and what they were doing from sometime in the middle of the night was making the most gorgeous sandcastles. They had to follow a theme, something with Waikiki. So as you looked at one of the sandcastles that was nearing completion, you saw Dukahanamoku. Another one was a beautiful canoe, and you can see how in the sand that they showed the guys paddling and a lot of other ocean scenes. They also had cameras there because they were going to win a prize if their sandcastle was the one that would be selected I was thinking about how much time and creativity and maybe even practice that went in to make that sandcastle. I was horrified, like some of you would be, for the people who spent so much time on their sandcastle, but they built it near the shore, near the ocean's edge, because the tide was coming in, was already lapping away at this beautiful sandcastle that they were making. And as I thought about that, I thought about our message today that has been incubating in my mind as this was prepared weeks ago about how that maybe some of us, we love to build our own sand castles. And I don't know what that might be. We spend a lot of time doing it. And there may be a prize or a reason at the other end. And then we find that through the trials of life and other things that the sand castle was torn apart and it didn't last. And so today I'm here to come alongside you as your friend more than as someone up here pointing a finger at you. I want to come alongside you to maybe help us to build our lives, maybe not with sand as a sand castle, but maybe with cement, Maybe something out of granite that will last long after we're gone. And I thought about the Apostle Paul in this wonderful passage of Scripture because the Apostle Paul was only a short time in the city of Thessalonica as the church was planted. But he said later after he left it, he wrote a letter to them this. He said, our coming to you was not in vain. It wasn't a failure. And if you read through the rest of the material and you find out that church in Thessalonica lasted a long time. So what Paul did... His life lasted a long time in them that he ministered to. Now, let me quickly say that that church was built almost 2,000 years ago. 100,000 people were in that community. Today, all there is is a broken down shell of those ancient ruins. Yes, there is a city there. It's called Thessaloniki now, and you can look out on the map, and people will go there. It's a hubbub of activity. I don't have God's mind, but I can only imagine that the church today may not be like the church of yesteryear when Paul was there. And I'm wondering, could it be that while Paul poured himself into something that would last in their life, that they took it in for a while, maybe that generation, maybe the next generation, the generation after that. But perhaps centuries ago, that other generation didn't build into the next generation that would last. Well, I don't know about us, and I don't know what God has in store for our church, but I can tell you that as long as I possibly can, I pray that what I do before God... It will last, and I pray that what God allows Carol and me to do in your life as your friend, that it too would last. Now, there's a couple of ways you could take this message, because it'll be highly practical, but to make it even more penetrating to you. I'd like you to look at yourself, because I look at a crowd that is very tired. Tired because of all, excuse me, of all the things you've been doing, but a lot of the things that you're doing is because you were doing it, wearing many different hats. Some of you wore the hat of a dad, or the hat of a mother, a hat of a worker, a hat of a church worker, a hat of someone that's in a family, a hat of a neighbor, a hat of someone who's in a club, or a committee, or a group. And so you have a lot of different hats. And so the message today is to ask you the question, will what you do, whatever hats you wear, will it last? Now I don't want you to be tired at the end of the message, I do want you to be encouraged. But the principles will work whether you're a mom or a dad, or whether you're working, or whether you're in school, or whether you might be even in ministry, because as we believe here, our core value is every member of this church is a minister. Now, they might not have a high title of that, but they are a person who says, I want my life to love the Lord by loving others in full surrender of influencing them for the Lord. So whether you have a ministry in this church, or you have a ministry with your family, or ministry on your job, or you young people a ministry, and in whatever school you might go to, public, private, or home, then you then would say, you know what? I've come to a point in maturity in my life that I want to make the decisions that what I do will last, just like Paul wanted and like he wants for us today. Well, from this passage that we're going to study, there are four, I believe, high principles that by the power of the Holy Spirit we can apply to our life as we allow God to live his life out through us. Now last week was such an important one, I spent the entire Sunday on that. But the point is simply this, that if we want to begin, the very first place we begin to find out if what we do will last is to ask ourselves, what are our motives? So we need to check our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? If our motives are confounded... And they're not biblical motives. Often what we do will be done in the flesh. It will not come with God's blessing. We'll be frustrated. And often what we do is actually mess up the things that we're really trying to help. So we need to check our motives. And this passage gives us a wonderful litany of motives that we need to be aware of and not to have in our life to avoid. But the passage also talks about those that are good. And I'd rather focus on particularly the good ones. And we learn that we need to have compassionate courage as we want to influence other people. When I thought about that compassion and courage, I couldn't help but think about the Lord Jesus Christ in the passage in John that says this. It says simply, The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Some of us, we think that we'll influence others by doing the law with them. It's short-lived. Our motives might be right, but it's not the method that God would want. We would want to be more like Christ. Now, what did he do? It says, grace and truth came by Christ. That's what I call compassion and courage. Compassion is that before we have the privilege and maybe the fruit of a changed life, we have to earn the respect of the person speaking to us. We have to have the right to be heard. And people will more want to listen to us if they feel that we really love them through compassion. But there are a lot of people that find it very easy to be compassionate with people. But they're not compassionate enough to also be courageous to give them the truth. And so we have to put them two together. So if you're compassionate without the truth, you've got a lot of syrupy, sweet sentiment, sentimentality, but not a lot of changed lives. If all you do is give truth, but you have no compassion and mercy, you might be righteous with the truth, but I'm wondering how effective you are in delivering that truth. And so our motives must be right, and there must be surrounding the gospel, because no matter what we want to do to last, the only things that will last will be God's word, people, and of course, salvation found in Jesus Christ, the Word of God. So we do need to give the Word of God and salvation by faith alone in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And the last is this. If our motives need a governor in our life, in other words, if you want to know, how do I check my motive to be courageous and compassionate and make sure it's around the gospel, then just ask yourself one simple question. Authentically ask it and humbly and genuinely answer it. And here's the question. Is what I'm thinking about what I'm about to say and what am I gonna do is it doing this because I want to glorify God if you ask that question it seems to be it's that simple the hard part is not asking and answering the question the hard part is doing it nearly every decision that you make now stay with me one of the ways you can make that easier for you is if you come to a full surrender to Christ as a believer now we're not talking about unbelievers and all that just believers When you surrender to the Lord saying, yes, Lord, yes. I want everything that I think, say, and do to bring glory to you. Now, once you do that and you get in the habit of doing that throughout the day, you're going to find that there is a transformation that goes on that's mystical that I can't even fully explain that will make it a lot easier for you to decide how you drive your car, how you talk to your wife, how you deal with your kids, how you operate on your job because you've chosen to glorify God. So if I could say it in one sentence, the first, to have things last, would be check your motives. But now let's get into some new material here because this is so rich and it's amazing material. Stuff that could really help us. So let's look at the second thing we need to do. Besides just having the right motives, we have to look at our actions. That's very important to say, okay, what am I doing? Is what I'm doing now going to last in my life in the lives of others? Now, if you will follow along as I read this passage to you, I only want to read a section of it here, so listen. Paul now, writing back to the Thessalonians, says this, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as an apostle of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Then look at the last of verse 9, and here's what you'll read. It says, That we might not be a burden to any of you. All right? Let's come up for air and think about those two phrases. We could have made demands, but we didn't. And we chose to live a life that wouldn't be a burden to you. Now remember where this is coming from. Paul is saying, this is how we were when we were around you because we wanted our ministry and your life to last. So what he chose to say is, yes, I'm an apostle. So he could pull rank. It's like you dad saying, I am the father. It's like you wives saying to your children, I am the mother. It's like you employers saying, I am the boss. And that's all right to do. But if we have to use purely our title to bring about change, it will be short-lived again. He says, "Why we could have made demands as the founding pastor, the apostle, he says, we chose not to do that. When we could have been a burden to you, because look at all we've done, we could have expected you now to scratch our back because we scratched your back. He said, we didn't want to be a burden to you. So the question now is, if I want something to last, even though I have the rank, I'm not going to pull rank, how can I not be a burden and not make demands of the people I want to influence so my influence will last? What are some things I can do? Again, I can take you from cover to cover of the Bible, but I'd rather stay in just one portion of scripture, own these, and you'll be light years ahead of many other Christians. Here's number one, you need to care for people. You need to care for people. If you go back to the section there, it says, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. That's interesting. You might want to circle the word gentle and you might want to circle the word cherish. Those would be two operative words for a person who says, I don't want to make demands and be a burden to you, so what am I going to do to influence you with my actions? I'm going to be with my actions gentle to you and I'm going to cherish you. What's very interesting is the word cherish here, this is the only time it's found in the entire Bible. And it talks about as a mother would cherish her own children, I thought about the word cherish. First time I thought about it, I guess my flesh took over. I remembered one of Carol's and my favorite songs as we were courting each other. I wish I could tell you that we had a completely spiritual courtship. Uh, We did serve the Lord together. We went to our married bed pure and all that. But we had a favorite song by the association called Cherish. How many of you remember that song? Good to see all you spiritual people out there. All right, Or the rest of you, the old people, That's, that's, that's dating us. But when I thought about cherish, I had to think about my wife again, but not so much that I cherish her, but I like what she does. She likes to collect little things. Now, we don't have a lot of stuff. You know, ministry, you don't have a lot of stuff, but they're like little knickknacks, little special mementos, things we got on mission trips, little gifts that people have given to us to remember them by. Now, when my wife cherishes them, now here's what she does. Listen carefully. She takes these, these objects and she puts them out for others to see, she displays them. Because she wants others to enjoy that which was given to her so that they too could have some enjoyment in that. So it's displayed. But I'll also tell you this. She displays them in such a way that they will not get damaged or broken. So if they are very delicate and worth a lot and you're bringing your cakey over, then we will carefully place those objects of cherish some other place. Now that being said, that's how a mother who wants to influence her kids needs to be gentle, And needs to cherish. Now, for a moment, you men, I'd like you not to zone out on me. Because you're thinking, well, that's how women are supposed to do it. Men are a little bit different. We're hardwired, you know. That's true. But remember what he is saying. Listen, listen. He says, we as men, as the founding apostles, have the right to do all of this. He says, we were as gentle as a mother who cherishes the children. So you know what that does? That speaks to me that Stan, even though I might be rough and tough and hard to diaper... I need to have a gentleness about me. I need to be someone who cherishes. And so as your pastor, I know that I have goals that I set in my life. I know I'd like our church to continue to grow, and I am wired that way. But I have to lean on the Lord for the gentleness and the cherishing. We need to do that if we're going to have an effect on other people. So check your actions. Is it like a mother who cherishes and is gentle to the children? That's one way to show your actions that will be received. The second is, do you love people? You have to love people. Going back to the same passage, it says this So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but our own lives. So, if there are two operative words there, it would be the words affectionately longing, one term, and the other would be that we want to impart our lives to you. That's pretty huge, isn't it? It goes on to say, Because you're dear to me. I love you, you're special. Maybe a question might you need to ask would be, the people I want to influence, that I want to have a life that lasts forever, a ministry in their life. Do I love them with God's love? Now sometimes it's hard to love people, especially those who cut you off or get the parking place right in front of you. But God says that we don't have to love them with our love, so folks, relax, chill out. Don't try to work up the love. You just see them through the eyes of the Lord. And if He can love them, yea, the ones who sent him to the cross in all manner, then that love that's residing within him, now I'm speaking to believers, is in Christ. He is love. Christ lives in me. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. So what I'm teaching you here, it is extremely doable when we let the Lord do this. Maybe I could give you an example. St. Patrick's Day in March. When you think of St. Patrick's Day, what do you think of... Some people will think of a lot of things, but two that come to my mind is you wear green that day and there's cabbage involved. All right, But a lot of people don't know about St. Patrick. What you don't know is that St. Patrick really is Scottish. He was abducted at the age of 16 by a marauding band of of, of army people, just wicked guys. They took him and held him captive as a hostage for six years. When he finally was released, he went back to Scotland. While he was there, he came to faith in Jesus Christ and he decided to live his life as a missionary. Now again, it's six years past 16. And where did he want to be a missionary? In Ireland, where those marauding band of army people abducted him. So here was a person who willfully chose to say, I love the very people who are against me. So maybe for you, you might think the same thing. Maybe your ministry will be going to the people that are ethnically opposite of you. Maybe you're going to go to the very people that are within your family who oppose the very value system that you have. Maybe you're going to go to your job and you're going to have people on your job that'll be mocking you or mocking Christianity or your belief system about anything. But God says within you that you want to have a life that counts, a ministry on that job, and so you're going to love them with a sacrificial love. Here's the third one, and that is that you need to work hard. Our actions are not just made up with sentimentality of gentleness and of love, but it's also made up of hard work. If you'll notice in the passage, go back to your Bible, it says, We labored and toiled night and day. I'm going to tell you something that ministry, true ministry, with all of its beautiful aroma of sweet blessings, is still hard work. This last uh, Thursday night, we had three... Christian leader couples, so six around our table. And we were fellowshipping and having a wonderful time of laughing and sharing and a very good night of encouraging one another. At the end, I threw it out and I said, what can we pray for you? Now, I won't mention couples, you don't need to know. But it was interesting how two of the couples, and one of them, I will be honest with you, is Carol and me, We asked for prayer. At the very end, They said we took their prayers. They said, Pastor, what what can we pray about for you? I said, I want you to pray because I'm going to identify with another couple at this table. Their their statement was, we are so tired. We have been working and we're doing so much. We are so tired. And I said, you know, that's true. I pastored all over the mainland. We've had churches that are mega churches. I'm talking about churches that had two soccer fields, state-of-the-art, state-of-the-art gymnasium with digital scoreboard and bleachers. The same building had... an apartment building that had apartments that were one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom. There was four parsonages, a duplex on this place, upper balcony, etc. That being said, let me say this. There has never been a ministry that we've been involved in that we have never worked more hard or harder than this ministry right here. Put in more hours, go home as tired, exhausted, and doing what we're doing. Now some of you don't feel sorry for us. That's not the point. Others of you are saying, well, that's your fault. And don't judge us. Because I need to tell you what I need to tell you now. There is no ministry on the mainland, whether it was a church or a national ministry with promise keepers. There is no ministry that we've enjoyed more and had more fulfillment in than this ministry right here. And I will take fulfillment over hard work any day. But it is going to be hard work. So if some of you are thinking, should I do ministry or not? It's going to be so tough. It's going to be tough. Those of you who are new on your journey coming into our church, you are in a room full of people that I believe personally are the cream of the crop in international. That any one of them could take the microphone and say, we're tired too. But our strength is from Him. And we wouldn't trade it for anything. Now here's how it happens in our mind. We have to look at the life of Christ. Christ. Was Christ tired often? Yes, we saw him sleeping. Was Christ a person who, as he worked hard, he sacrificed? Yes. Did he have an influence? He did on his disciples. If you could read the historical setting of his disciples, and then you go back to church history, you're going to find these men, whether they're recorded in Holy Writ, or whether they're found in church history, these men were all out for God, like the song was sung about today. But all these men, in the fulfillment of their ministry... We're tired because it was difficult. Now let me come back and say this. When I started as a 16-year-old kid and I just came to faith in Christ, Carol will tell you that I caught fire on that Thursday night in November 1966 and I haven't quit burning since. I will tell you, though, that when they asked me to do ministry, you know what my first response was? I could never do that. I can't do that. I can't speak. I can't play the guitar. I can't stand up publicly and and share a a testimony. I can't do anything. I don't know how God could ever use someone like me. Maybe some of you are like that too. I can't really do that. But pretty soon, it's like putting your toe into cold water. You put it in and, oh, that's not so bad. And you kind of get here and your ankles get wet. And pretty soon you're here. Pretty soon you're here. Next thing you know, the person is there in the water with you, Pulls you under, you know. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you'll come alongside someone and God's going to say, I'm going to pull you under and you're going to find out it's not so bad after all. It's really quite nice. This is really good. Again, if I had the time to hand the microphone to some of you, some of you would come up here and say that before you said, I can't do that. Now you're saying, I I can do this. I'm thinking of a lady who trusted Christ in my study who was a card-carrying, full-practicing Buddhist. All the stuff in her house, the incense, the idols, the whole thing. She trusted Christ. She went to Bible study. She then wanted to publicly tell people that she was a Christian, so the first thing she did was to become baptized by immersion. She then started learning the book and paid the price to know it. She said, I want to live my life to influence others. And now she is the primary person that will teach the ladies' Bible study when my wife is called off-island. She went from I can't do this to I can do this. But you'll always say it's hard. That's all right. Because when you finally say it's hard, watch, watch, watch. I can't, but he can. Therefore I will. I can't. He can. Therefore I will. That's our faith. So look at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Another lesson would be And now I'm going to speak to me. So the rest of you just listen as I preach to your pastor. Working hard does not mean you never rest. Do I hear an amen on that? When the Lord, God, had Moses record the Ten Commandments, there was one of the Ten Commandments that was to take a day, and it was called the what, everyone? Sabbath. When, take it back a little further, when the Lord made and created the earth... What did he do on the last day? And when you look at the life of Christ, as busy as he was doing everything that he was from morning until night and getting up early to have a quiet time, he still rested. So I'm going to tell you that in ministry, Pastor Stan, you do need to rest. Because if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. So let's review for a moment before I go to our next point. I want to give you three word pictures here. So if you want your actions... To influence someone else so that your ministry with them will last, you want to love compassionately, gently, like a mother. You want to care for people to the point of full sacrifice like Jesus. And then you want to work hard like those roughnecks that are serving on those oil platforms in the Gulf of Mexico, working 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 and working and working and working and working and working and working. And then you take your rest. So number one, check your motives. Is it for the glory of God? Second, look at my actions. Do I love others? Am I caring? Am I working hard? And now number three, I need to listen to my message. So what you do when you listen to your message is not difficult. You're saying, all right, I want to influence others. Maybe the time now is besides checking my motives and looking at my actions, Ask yourself, what am I saying to these other people?
0: This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.